Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. This is episode number 56, Further Faster in Business with Bill Flynn. We are going to talk about the vital steps that take the guesswork out of growth in your business. Hope you enjoy this one. Also, don't forget to go to successsecret.net forward slash podcast so you can leave me your voice messages and your reviews. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid podcast. My guest today, his name is Bill Flynn. He wrote a best-selling book, Further Faster. He's a multi-certified business growth coach. Before that, he was an executive at 10 startups for over 25 years. Bill, welcome to the Success Grid podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Hussein. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, awesome. So, Bill, first let me ask you, I want you to tell us a little more about yourself, but I heard that you actually pitched Steve Jobs, is that true or is it something that was just <laughs> written? No, I did, off? yeah. I met him when he was at Next. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was doing speech recognition at the time, working for a company called Dragon Systems, which eventually sort of influenced Siri, which we're all very familiar with. <clears throat> um, and uh, I was trying to get a number of the uh, hardware manufacturers up and down the California coast, because there were tons of them in the uh, in the 90s, mm. uh, to consider using speech recognition. And so I went to Next, and I was actually just meeting with product managers. And one of them said, oh, you know, hang on, Steve's going to Steve's gonna try to make the meeting. And I I, uh, I had no idea who they, what they were talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> okay. I didn't ever expect to meet him. Uh, and then, yeah, he showed up and he was there for about 20 minutes and I gave him a demonstration. He asked a bunch of questions. He said, okay, thanks. And off he went. <laughs> and what happened after that? Uh, so nothing happened with us. Uh, but I think, you know, he, he just wanted to see what the level of the technology was at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. So I, maybe, maybe this is how Steve Jobs got the companies to grow faster and big. Maybe he got a lot of ideas from different people <laughs> and they combine them together and see what's going on in the minds of other people. Yeah, he definitely has a reputation of being very curious and wanted to really pull in lots of information. Uh, and, and yes, and, and from, a, from a neuroscience perspective, that's an excellent way to come up with new ideas, right? You have all these things. You don't know if, if you'll ever use them. You know, one of the things that was most po- most popular with him was his calligraphy. He understood calligraphy. Mm. So that's why fonts were really important to him. And um, and he, he did a lot of, now fonts are just sort of regular, but at the time, yeah, it was, a, it was like, there were like two fonts and he, yeah. he wanted a bunch of different ones and stuff. So uh, I think yeah. there was a scene in the movie jobs that we were talking about the, this kind of things, right? Yeah, it was in the book by Isaacson as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about you, how, your story. How, Where were you 20 years ago and where are you now? Yeah, so I sort of got lucky um, early on in my 20s. I had a really um, helpful and gracious family member who sort of took me under his wing and actually helped me to get my first job. Uh, and that was, <clears throat> wasn't really a startup, but it was, it was a relatively new company in, in high tech. And I kind of liked it. I actually went in as a salesperson, which a lot of people go into when they don't have any skills. 
Um, and from there, uh, I got I uh, got into the internet about 1995, so pretty early on, right when the World Wide oh. Web was was a thing. Uh, uh, and really loved that whole startup, you know, right from start from the beginning, kind of thing. And really, it it just uh, kind of got my juices flowing, if you will. And so I stuck with that. I actually got connected to a bunch of really um, uh, great people, and there were like three or four of us, and we actually did four four together. Mm -hmm. and uh and we did really well we were actually three for four which was kind of cool and mm -hmm. i ended up being five for six in my first six startups oh. last four not so much um but uh along the way i got a chance to get a taste of what i do now which is sort of coaching i did it within the company uh and it was it was a it was more of a necessity than anything uh uh, we, I ran into a whole bunch of trouble when I took over as a GM of, of an organization. I can tell that story later if you want. Uh, yeah, sure. And and happened to uh, need help from other people because I didn't know all the answers. I, I you know I needed I needed help. So you know I sort of said to the team, "Hey, I, I kind of think that this would be a good place for us to end up. Let's discuss, debate, and decide on that. And then once we do, then each of us needs to sort of draw a roadmap of." where we are in our department or division or whatever, and get us get us to there. Uh, and that worked out really well. And that's sort of my first taste of coaching. That was about 10, over 10 years ago now, probably 13, 14 years ago. And then about five years ago, I became a coach. And that was that was sort of the impetus. I wanted to do that again. I wanted to, I wanted to help people really understand how to do things, not tell them what to do, but sort of teach them <laughs> yeah. the framework and let them decide on what to do. So- Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned like you started in sales. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of sales? Because basically selling more stuff, whatever it is, this is what makes the company grow, I think, because there is money coming in, right? And then you transform into coaching, right? So wh 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 why did you tra transform from this kind of things exactly to, to personal coaching? When we know, like, for example, coaching, you help, uh, maybe you help fewer people, right? This is what happens when you do coaching. Yeah, I have a handful of clients. I teach the entire team. I don't just oh. teach one individual. I don't, I don't work with one individual. But you asked a really interesting question about sales. And I've, I've thought a lot about sales in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And there's something called the growth paradox. Uh, and I love this saying by Edward Abbey, which is growth for growth's sake is the ideology of a cancer cell. <laughs> so just trying to get revenue into your business is not a good idea um, because if the revenue isn't profitable and you're not actually adding cash to your balance sheet and to the bank account, you know, you could be a hundred million dollar company, but if it costs you a hundred million dollars to run it, then you've, you've actually employed yeah. a bunch of people, but you're not really building a business. And as soon as something exactly. bad happens, there's no profit. What's the point? Yeah. So if you want to grow and you want to grow in a healthy and thriving way, it's actually about cash. It's about how do I generate cash and put it into my business mm -hmm. and make sure that I have money put aside for the inevitable bad thing that's going to happen, right? We're, we're 21 years into, into this century. We've already had three bad things happen, right? We've had 9-11 happen in the US and it certainly affected the world. We had um, the 2008 financial crisis, which affected yeah. most of the world. And we had COVID, which affected everyone. Yeah. You know? And a lot of businesses went out of business because they weren't ready. They were too optimistic and they, they, they focused on revenue. They went too wide. And then when things got bad, they didn't have enough money in the bank to last. Yeah. Now, COVID is hard to predict. Yeah. But you can certainly put yourself in a better position than they did today. So I think from so that's what I sort of think about sales. Um, from uh, my coaching perspective, 
My goal is to touch a million lives by the time I'm done. I'm, I'm at about 30, 35,000 right now. Okay. I got a long way to go. Yeah. You know, I don't have to reach a million, but I yeah, 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 it will, it will reach that. No problem. Yeah. Um, so coaching won't get me there. It'll have to be the books or speaking or some other way that I can do it. And I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways to do that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's my goal. It's awesome. So <clears throat> you mentioned like certain things that happened, like for example, lastly now COVID, right? And you talked about the cash. I actually studied accounting in university. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of sheets, like the balance sheet, the income statement, and there is the cash flow statement. The only the only statement I liked actually studying and doing is the cash flow statement. Mm-hmm. Because actually it made sense to me because at the end of it, is the company making negative or positive this is where i can see the things that actually happens and the income statement i was interested at the the final number the the net profit or the net loss this is why this is this is the only thing i liked about accounting because eventually this is what i want to do i want to look at the number at the end of the list and see that i am making a positive uh, return on the investment or the business or whatever it is yes So cool concept. Ca- 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 uh, they say cash is king. So I think cash is king, right? Yeah, cash <laughs> is king in most instances. I think if you're looking to grow a startup and trying to move fast, cash isn't necessarily king yet because mm-hmm. you're still trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure out your your business model or you're trying to grow super fast because you, you've got to do that. Um, but yes, if you want to grow a healthy and thriving business over the long term, cash is cash is important. And I think cash is more important than profit because you, as you know, as an accountant, You can lie to yourself on profit, right? You can pay yourself less money. You can do funky things with other parts of the balance sheet or the PL yeah. and make it look like you have a profit. But when it comes down to it, I always say you should act as if you you want to you want to sell your company to someone and you want to get the highest multiple for your company. Yeah. Yes. And if if they come in and say, well, you're only paying yourself fifty thousand dollars a year and, and you should be paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, they're going to take that right off of the value of your company. Mm. Uh, You know, and if you do that with other people as well, they're going to say, well, your company isn't actually worth what you think it's worth because you are you are overvaluing the your business. business. Yeah. You know, they don't want to buy that. They want to buy, you know, they know they're going to have to fix it. So they're going to they're going to they're going to undervalue it as much as they can. Yeah. So you got to be careful with with that as well, with profit. Yeah. I think. So through your career, uh, what struggles did you have yourself or did you see businesses go through? Uh, so a lot of what we just talked about. So for myself, you know, I I wasn't a great manager when I, you know, or leader when I first started out. You know, I was taught what most of us are taught, which is, you know, you have to tell people what to do and you have to know all the answers and all these things. And um, I, I always wondered why I was so stressed out. It was because <clears throat> there's no way, there's no way in the world I'm going to know all the answers. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, I'm relatively good at sales, but I'm certainly don't know all the answers there. I'm relatively good at marketing, don't know all the answers there. I have no background in finance. Um, I'm technically adept, but, you know, and I wrote code when I was in college, but, you know, I'm not nearly as technically astute as, as people that would be working for me. So all these things that you have to really understand, I didn't get um, because I wasn't really taught that. Uh, and I think that starts from from schooling, not just in, in business. Yeah, yeah. And what I found most businesses do is um, most So I've been studying sort of business success and business failure for a while. And what I've found is that most businesses die of indigestion, not of starvation. They try to do too many things and they spread themselves too thin. Again, sort of 
chasing that revenue, as you said before, right? Is, is oh, we're gonna need to bring in more revenue because then that makes us a healthy, we wanna be a hundred million dollar business or a $50 million business. And again, it doesn't matter in the end if you really wanna build a healthy and thriving business. If yeah. you wanna flip your company really fast and people are gonna pay you a multiple of revenue, then go for it. Um, but that's pretty rare, especially these days. Um, this, 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 it's as much, let's say, as much it is easy, for example, to someone to start, for example, online nowadays, right? But at the same time, forget competition. Let's put the competition aside. But uh, a lot social media platforms, for example, like you mentioned, going everywhere at once, social media distraction and itself, a lot of things to do. So when you do that, me, myself, now I have, I'm having this problem also. Because like you have these like five, ten social media platforms, which one you should focus on more, which one that actually brings, let's say, the... The, the thing that you want, the revenue or the, the goal that you put uh, to your company. So these kind of things are like putting you all off the grid and uh, keep you on a, on, a, on a circle that sometimes doesn't stop. I agree. So, so I think you're hitting a really good point, which is what I found is most businesses try to solve the problem from the middle. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. So the 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 social media channels the messaging all that kind of stuff is something that stems from something further down uh further downstream further upstream actually right which is you really have to understand why your customers buy from you what problem are you solving are you solving it in a way that is unique to them and, and they they certainly value you know there are there are um you know we talked about Steve Jobs so we might have to use that as an example because most people <laughs> know who Apple is anyway around the world um and when uh, Steve Jobs first came in, he wasn't as good a leader as he was the second time he came in. Mm. Uh, so uh, you mean you mean when he quit and came back? So he became. Yeah, he didn't quit. He got he got uh, he got ousted. But yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, um, <laughs> okay. But so so the second time when he came in and 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 sort of re resurrected Apple, and he learned a bunch of things, and he learned that you really have to understand what your customers want. Um, and I tell a story, I don't know if it's true, but it's a really good story, right? So Steve Jobs, so the first thing that came out was iTunes, but the first thing that we really understand is iPod, the iPod. That was the first, other than the, you know, the, the Mac stuff that was already there, um, the iPod was the next big thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it actually was because at that time I was using the Walkman, the one that you put the cassette yeah. in, or the CD, and I used to go running with it, and it was like sometimes jams and the song cuts off. Exactly right. So when so he, I, when that thing happened, yeah, it was a great thing. To, right, know. but but in order to find that out, he didn't go and say he didn't ask you or someone like you to say, "How can I make a better Walkman for you?" He didn't say that because because we as consumers aren't really good at giving the answer. We, we will give an answer, but it's not a good answer, right? Because we're only working from what we know. So he went to people and he said, why do you have that? Mm. You know, why do you use your Walkman? And you'd say, oh, well, I like it because I like to have my music with me and I have certain songs. And when I'm running, I want I want certain songs to keep my pace or whatever, right? So I want to yeah. be able to control, you know, whatever your reasons were. Say, like, great. So where is that Walkman letting you down? And you already said, well, it skips. You know, I have to carry all these CDs around with me and I really only like two or three songs on them. You know, um, uh, it's kind of heavy and bulky. And so when I'm running, it sort of maybe hits my hip or it feels weird, you know, whatever those things were. Yeah. And, and he might ask you something like, okay, so about how many songs do you think you'd love to have with you at any given time, right? And so, and he said, what would you like it to be? And, and you probably said, well, I, I want it to fit in my pocket. 
So he went to Idea Labs, which really designed the iPod. I think it's Idea Labs. Uh, no, it's Ideo. It was some. It was some. Um, uh, some design firm which starts with an I, and I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. And he said, "I want you to build me a, an MP3 player that is a thousand songs that fits in someone's pocket. Mm. I want a super simple design, right? Because uh, Apple's sort of mantra is amazingly simple and simply amazing, right? That's what they build, mm. uh, and that's what they made because he understood." why people were using, what they hired the, the, the Walkman to do for them, but it was failing in certain areas. That's why the iPod took off. Mm. Um, and that's why he was so good, I think so good at coming up with new ideas. He understood how to how to pull out from someone yeah. something they didn't even he, know he, that they he, wanted. He, he knew how to extract the information that they wanted without knowing how, what they exactly wanted and interpret it to something that they wanted actually to buy. Yeah, so, and I think you, this extract, is just, mm. okay, so so extract is an excellent word, Hussein. Mm -hmm. I think he was an excellent interrogator. <sighs> he wasn't he wasn't an interviewer, he was an interrogator. He was like, <sighs> tell me more, you know, and he was pulling stuff out and people didn't even know they were they were thinking it. So I think that was an excellent word, extract. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, this is why he's a visionary. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I get <laughs> well, tell us a little about your book because in your book further, faster. Uh, it's about a growing faster, like right? so. How how does it work to grow faster in a company? So what I found is, so I, I've looked at a bunch of leaders, and it's really leaders, not companies. I found um, uh, that really make the difference. Mm. And what I found was that the great leaders that built companies or or turned around companies in a certain way um, and built them for success for the future if someone were to keep doing it, uh, did a few things really well. And they, they did the same exact things really well, which I thought was fascinating, right? Um, and th that turned out to be, for me, what I found was that team was the most important thing, that performance is a team sport. You yeah. can't rely on one individual or a couple of people to, to really build an enduring company. And yeah. most people do that. Uh, and building, attracting, Crafting and growing a great team is a skill. It's a skill we do not teach, but it is a skill that we need to teach. Yeah. And so I, I put a bunch of stuff in there. And none of this is from me. This is from like Amy Edmondson and Marcus Buckingham and Simon Sinek and all these people who are thinking about these things. Mm. And, you know, I sort of put my own little twist on it. Um, but, but the data shows, the science shows that, that if, you really, if you really understand teams, then, you're, then you'll, you'll have a chance of creating a better company. The next thing is that strategy and execution are not two separate things. They are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. um, I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of CEOs through some of my workshops and things that I've done over the years. And I would ask them the same questions over and over again. And I would say, sort of, what's your biggest barrier to growth? And often I would get what I would consider an operations problem or an execution problem. Yeah, yeah. Not the right things, we're not doing them well, we're not doing them on time, whatever. Um, and I said, so, so that's sort of execution. And so, yeah, I said, I, my next question is, so what are you executing on? Right. And I sort of get a, a look, you know, they sort of cock their head to the side. Like, what do you mean by that? And eventually they'd say something like, well, we're executing the plan. Oh. And I would say, okay, how did you come up with the plan? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right? Because if you have the, I assume if you have the plan, you will execute it 100% as it is. Uh, this yes. is what I assume, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, right? And, and not always, but hopefully. Mm. And I'm, I'm trying to get them to strategy, right? Is, is, is the strategy informs the plan. 
which informs what you execute. Uh, and, and I'd say, okay, so let me ask you this. If I go into your Monday morning, you know, I go into your office and I sit with you and your team at their senior staff meeting, right? Because most companies have their senior staff meeting on Monday mornings, right? Or Friday afternoons. Um, and, I, and I go in and say, I get to ask them one question. The question is, uh, um, or uh, make one request, which is, would each of you please write down in your own words, what is our current company strategy? Mm. And then I have them write that down individually and then read it out loud. It's not going to be the same from each one, no. Exactly. I, I'm sure 100% it's not going to be the same. <laughs> exactly. Each one has their own Ask any employee in any business or especially corporates, big corporation, they are going to answer you and give you a different answer. It's not going to be. But not, but not every company. Like, so if you go to Southwest Airlines here in the United States and you ask, supposedly, if you ask any full-time employee, what is our strategy? They all know it. They know that it's wheels up. If you go to Ikea and ask people what their strategy is, they know that it's flat packed furniture. Mm -hmm. Right. So your job as the leader, the leader of everything, is to get everyone literally and figuratively on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Your team yeah. leaders should be saying the same. I mean, they may use different words, but the, the essence should be the same. So I say, okay, so you have this execution problem. Maybe, maybe they're executing really, really well on their version of the strategy. And your job is to get them all on the same page. So they're executing really well on the whole strategy. That, that's really going to differentiate you in the marketplace and, and sort of build a mode around your company. So this is, yeah, uh, this is like building a company culture. Each company should have their own culture and yep. inform or let get their employees get certain training, let's say, to have this culture about the company and about the business and about its operation. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's training, but it's also living it every day, right? And reinforcing it every day. Um, there's a great story um, that I don't know if it's true, but again, a great story is that someone, you know, in the last 10 years or so, someone at Southwest said, hey, we need to we need to offer some sort of healthier options as for people to eat on the plane. Right. Because people are getting into organic and in vegetarianism and all that kind of stuff. And they, and they said, oh, we need to have sort of I think it was like a chicken Waldorf salad. We want to offer a chicken Waldorf salad. I mean, that seems to be popular across, you know, whatever. And so they said, great. So they introduced it to the company and they said, okay, does it get the planes in the air any faster? That's, <laughs> that's their strategy, right? The strategy is wheels up. We need to get the wheels up. And when they really, they said, so people would be happier on the plane when they do it, but it could stall takeoff. Why? Because what if the chicken Waldorf salads are late? What if the refrigeration breaks? You know, all of these things that would have to go, they say, so we're not risking it. We're passing out salt and sweets, you know, in packages, you know, Oreo cookies and pretzels in a basket because, you know, they don't go bad and they're not going to stall the plane leaving, mm -hmm. leaving. So, so that, that's the culture you talk about. That's, that's the whole thing they like. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think someone, I don't think someone who wants to travel now, is it a long travel hours or short ones? The, the main thing for me is to actually arrive. I don't mind not eating the whole trip. If it's even 24 hours, I just want to arrive. It's not, I don't really, I wouldn't really think that much about eating on a plane. I don't know. This that just yeah, some, some do, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Because but, so like, you would fly a certain airline, right? So you wouldn't necessarily fly Emirates or Singapore yeah. Air or that, that sort of this, this luxury elite thing. But there are some people who, who love that. And so yeah. that's great for them and they can afford it. And yeah. that's cool. But you know, I'm more like you. I'm more just get me there. I'll just bring my own food. 
you know, I, I generally. I'm just saying, but at the, at the end of the day, we are human. Yes, we get hungry, we get, we get yeah, thirsty, we get whatever. But I mean, the idea of the Southwest Airlines business model is great. Their, their focus is to, like you mentioned, is to go up yep. in the air as fast as possible. Yeah, and so, so no, no delays. Exactly. So there's yeah. one more thing. So it's cash, which we already talked about in, in great depth. But so there are three things in my book. There's performance as a team sport. You must understand that your business is one big cohesive system that, that goes up to your vision and down to your tactics. And then lastly is that cash should be your primary financial growth metric if you're going to grow a, a healthy and thriving company. And what I mean by that is, so, so we talked about strategy and a plan. I'm going to say, okay, so put together your plan that helps your strategy, helps differentiate you from someone else. What do you need to put in your business that you don't have today? How much will that cost? Mm. Figure out how much that costs, then build your plan to generate the cash um, or borrow it, you know, whatever you want to do, to make that come true. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a great story that's in a book called American Icon. When Alan Mulally came into Boeing, I mean, came in from Boeing to Ford, and he turned around Ford in 2006 through 2014, again, in the middle of 2008 recession, mm. he turned around a car company, which is amazing. Um, he had four things that he said that he needed to convince the board of to make this thing happen. And I'm not going to know them exactly, but one was we have to have an evolving product mix that, that um, creates offerings that our customers want and value. And value is really important. He said we need to execute profitably on that, on that plan. Um, we need to be, we are one team right? He said it was all about the team. And then lastly, he said, we need the money to pay for this. He asked for $23 billion from, from government and, and from uh, mostly from investors and such from the market. And he turned Ford around in eight years. He took Ford, which lost $17 billion the year he took it over, 2006. He took it over at the end of 2006. They lost $17 billion that year. To in 2015, they were for a short time the number one car company in the world again. They surpassed Toyota, wow. um, and they did that with fewer cars. They they got rid of Jaguar, they got rid of Volvo. So it wasn't about again volume, right, and lots of spreading across things. Yeah. It was focusing really tightly on what they do really well. They sold a lot more Tauruses than they did before, which was really the big the big car seller for yeah. them, and, and trucks and, and SUVs as well. Yeah, good. So yeah, this is maybe like the. <laughs> It's far, but maybe like the Lamborghini model of business, they manufacture a little number of cars, but they assume they are, I don't know, I don't know now if they are profitable or not, but they are in business still, so. They still are, uh, yeah, Ferrari's the same yeah. way. They make very few cars, but they you know, cost you $100,000 to buy one or $300,000 to buy oh, one. Yeah, exactly. You don't need that many. No. Um, so, Elon Musk did the same thing with Tesla, right? He, he built a $70,000 car and he took pre-orders and actually funded the company. So he with the sort pre-orders. Of, he funded the, 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 the business with the pre-orders. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Because most of his money went into SpaceX. Um, yeah. And PayPal. Bitcoin now. He's into Bitcoin, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> so is there a science to business success? Totally. Yeah. There, there are proven ways to do things that, you know, and, and, and nothing's perfect, uh, etc. But you know, as, as you know, you, as I have said it many times is we definitely ignored at our peril, the science behind business and we go with conventional wisdom more often. Mm. You know, we think that we think that employees need feedback and we don't need feedback. Um, we we need to grow. We need to get better. We need to improve. We need to we need to be um, given direction so then we can figure out things for ourselves. 
Um, and feedback is one tool of many that does that. So, you know, if you're building a skill and you're, you're helping someone to get better, then yes, feedback's important, right? If you're learning an instrument or you're learning how to drive or ride a bike, feedback is important. When, when you fall down and smash your knee on the ground, that's feedback, right? <laughs> Something. Um, but you don't need that feedback. Oh, you. <laughs> yeah. But I think people need standards more than they need feedback. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if you yeah. give people a standard, yeah. It's a it's a very important point, yes, because because if you set the standard, you know if you hit it, if you know if you didn't, you know if you went beyond it, right? Yeah. So you can measure, let's say maybe the success of the business or the operation or the certain product in it. So yes, yeah. standard is the standard having standard is very important. Exactly. People, people want to do the right thing. They want to succeed. They want to contribute. We just have to give them the environment to do that. And we don't do it very often because we're controlling too much. And, you know, and we think, again, we have to know all the answers and we have to tell them what to do. That really takes the, their, these wonderful brains that you hired, it takes them out of the equation. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's a, Jim Collins calls it the genius with a thousand helpers. We do that too much. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think if you create, if you understand that your job as a leader is to create atmosphere for people to succeed and put them in the best possible position to do that as much as is feasible, you'll have a much better company and you'll grow and it'll be a lot easier. Your life will not be as stressful. It'll actually go faster than you think um, and it will be easier. But we don't do that. Yeah. So you mentioned you spoke about value earlier, right? So what do you think or what are the three values in life? Do you think, or in business? Uh, so, uh, so I think there are there are three things that are important to me, and and I, I think you know they translate to other people as well. Um, the first is that few things truly matter, but those that do matter tremendously. And your job as a leader, as a parent, as a friend, as a husband or wife or partner, is to figure out what those few things are, mm -hmm. and do them a lot. Focus, you know, Pareto was a pretty smart guy. Pareto was the, you know, 80-20 guy, right? Yes. Is that 80% of the results are due to 20% of the effort. And sometimes it's 90% of the results is 10% of the effort. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how, how skewed things in life are. Um, you know, I would, I would say, if, my guess is if you had 100 things in your closet, Hussein, you wear the same 20 things a lot yeah. more than you wear the other Actually, 80. Actually, that's true, yes. Uh, for example, for me, as you said, a lot, especially you feel this like, one or two items or three items, you feel comfortable with it. You like the color. So it's easier. You know, they always fit. <laughs> you know, you went to the gym, you went, you gained a little bit of weight. You didn't go to the gym, you, you went slim down. So this, you know, it's comfortable. When it's comfortable for certain things, it's good sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so I think that's super important. Um, uh, the the other is, which we've already said, which is I think there's a, there's a meaningful gap between what science knows and what business does. And we as leaders, uh, I mean, methods are great. And there's lots of books about how, you know, Phil Knight and Shoe Dog, you know, made Nike a, a really big company. There's stuff about Iger who, who turned around Disney. And there's a story about Alan Mulally. And there are all these great stories. But those were, those were things that had an X factor, which was often the person involved. So it's hard to take what they did. It's hard to just replicate Google and make another Google. You just can't do it. Right. So you have to I think you should understand principles. Microsoft couldn't uh, replicate Google. So imagine. <laughs> yeah. 
but and and then you know and Sachin and 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 Balmer you know went in and kind of almost destroyed it and then Sachin Adelis came in and said hang on you know we don't want to replicate Google we want to there's a space here that we can go after right and he said let's be that and he transformed the company into from from know-it-alls to learn-it-alls right mm -hmm. which was really cool mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's important as well so so you've got you know a few things truly matter but those those that do matter tremendously really understand the science and science is not so I'd like to say a survey is is not a study is not research is not science right you can't say the science says because a research a research thing said it that's only one data point a science is that third parties have gone through and gotten the same results that you got doing the same thing you did that's mm -hmm. science right so we need to understand that and then lastly that too many leaders rely on luck, effort, will of uh, will and timing uh, to make success. And you should be relying on other things. You need to rely on leverage. Mm -hmm. You need to find ways to leverage yourself, right? Um, and multiply yourself. And that will make your business go faster, not you working harder and trying harder and, and pushing harder and spending more hours. Yeah. Those are the three things that I think are the best. I, I don't know what you call those values in terms of a word or two, but um, you know, I guess focus is one, uh, and, uh, the, um, humility is probably another, right. That with, the uh, relying on others is, is really a humble act. Um, and then, and I don't know what you call the science thing is, you know, maybe, I, I don't know what the value that is, but I guess valuing science, um, yeah. and cool. facts, evidence-based stuff. So what, what do you, what would you say on takeaway from this episode? Um, I think the things that we just said is that, uh, you're, you're probably working far harder than you need to if you're the leader of a business. Um, you know, you can read my book. There are lots of books out there. You know, there are some great thinkers in, in the world of management science, which is leadership, which is Deming, Drucker, Shine, McGregor, Porter, Collins. These people have done research and, and, and got replic replicability around why companies succeed. And they have found the same things. If you can, if you can understand that and then translate that into your business, your way, you'll be in a much better position than anyone else. Yeah, cool. um, that's what I would say. Yeah, awesome, great. So where can people get in touch with you, Bill? Uh, my website is probably the best, which is catalystgrowthadvisors.com. Uh, my book is on there. You can actually download my book for free or you can certainly get it off Amazon. I, I appreciate the four or $5 every time you uh, download my book, but if you don't want to pay for it, uh, you can certainly download it for free. Um, my contact info is there. My calendar link is there. I've written about 130 or so blog posts over the last four or five years. Awesome. Very instructional and prescriptive. They're very short. Um, the first few are a little long, but after you get past six or seven, they're one or two minute reads. Um, and, and that's what I did. I listened to my audience and they said, it's really great content, but it's too long, Bill. Right? <laughs> if, you short, if you could shorten it up. And that's what did. My, my open rate is somewhere between 30 and 40% of my, of my posts. Because uh, I listened to my to my readers, right, and and I made them short and actionable. So that's where I would go. Catalystgrowthadvisors.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bill, for being today with me on the Successful Podcast. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.